0: He was on the Isle of Patmos because he had been boiled and oil by the evil emperor Domitian, and they couldn't kill him or stop him from preaching. And when they couldn't stop a preacher from preaching, they exiled him far away from his church family. That's the worst kind of torture for a preacher.
1: That's Pastor Michael Tenko and this is Reaching Your Heart. Today's broadcast is the first portion of the Lord's Day and the Day of the Lord. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Stay tuned at the end of today's broadcast. I'll have information on how you can attend the worship service in person if you would like. You can also attend anytime online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. We're in the Revelation series, and we're continuing with the message Pastor Mike entitles The Lord's Day and the Day of the Lord. Here's Pastor Mike with the conclusion.
0: He seemed an old man with no more to give. It looked like his life course had run its route. It looked like he had nothing more to offer, banished on the penal colony of the island of Patmos, to live out his days and to be ruined by circumstances. It was the time of life when the eye dims, and you can't see well without glasses. And sitting beside the choppy sea with no glasses, he was seeking a way to see Jesus through the tribulation of his life. He was seeking a way to see through the fog of the end times of his life. I mean, forget the end times. It was the end times of his life. Revelation 1.9, he writes, I, John, your brother, who share with you in Jesus, the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. John did not come to Patmos because he wanted to go on a vacation. He was on the island of Patmos because he had been bowled and oil by the evil emperor Domitian. And they couldn't kill him or stop him from preaching. And when they couldn't stop a preacher from preaching, they exiled him far away from his church family. That's the worst kind of torture for a preacher. John was there because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. He writes, I, John, your brother. Now what kind of brother is John here? The context holds the answer. He continues, your brother who share with you in Jesus the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance. I mean, John wasn't one who lorded over his people. No, he was one with his people. John wasn't better than the brethren. He was one of the brethren. John wasn't there to benefit from the church. He was there for the benefit of the church. And anyone who was brave enough to share in the sufferings of Jesus Christ, as far as John was concerned, that person was a brother, period. And you can tell a true believer when he or she stands up for Jesus Christ when it's not popular to do so. How many of you been following the news? This pastor in Iran, converted to Jesus Christ, became a shepherd of his flock, sentenced to death for being a Christian, for converting to Christ. And I don't hear any great outcries from the humanitarian Agencies of this world. I mean, they're going to blink and let this man die. It's Christians who love the brethren who have stood up and said, this man is with Christ, we must do something. And I don't see any national outcry to do something to save him. Anyone who stands for Christ is willing to give their life for Christ. We owe them our allegiance. We hear so much today about people going to church to have their needs met and praise music and holy dancing and this kind of thing. In John's day, if you went to church, you suffered and you were persecuted for the word of God. The brethren in those days were those who suffered with you and for you and because they believed in Jesus Christ, they were with you and they didn't care if they went to jail too if they had to stand with you. Their brethren weren't those who persecuted you. They were those who suffered with you. My favorite theologian describes suffering in this way. And of all the gifts that heaven can bestow upon men, fellowship with Christ in his sufferings, is the most weighty trust and the highest honor. My father showed me this statement shortly before he died. He had a terminal illness. He had lived a good deal of his life messing it up. He had come to know Jesus. And he was saying, you know what? I'm here really because I made bad decisions. Alcohol and other things. But he said, in a way, I'm sharing the sufferings of Christ because if Christ doesn't heal me, he's allowed me to suffer for his sake, to bear witness to his truth. So he said, when I die, and I will die probably soon, and he did. I want Jesus in the mix, and I want to learn from it and draw from it Christ, that I might share Christ with others. And the Christ he was sharing was shared with me. The book of Revelation is about the great tribulation, dear heart. We all go through tribulations in life, but there's a great tribulation coming that's far more difficult than what we face today. In Revelation 7-4, the Bible says the saints will come out of the great tribulation with white robes washed by the blood of the Lamb. In Revelation 1-9, there's a curious Greek construction that sheds light on the meaning of tribulation for Christians. We need to focus on it, I think, to understand what's happening here. So let's go back to Revelation 1-9 and read the verse together. I, John, your brother, who share with you in Jesus the tribulation and the kingdom... And the patient endurance. Now, as you look at that verse, do you see the in front of the tribulation? Yes or no? Do you see the in front of the kingdom? Do you see the in front of the patient endurance? Now, my translation is off. That translation you're looking at right there is not really what the Greek says. The Greek text is a little different from the Revised Standard Version I just read there on the screen. In the English translation, we've just seen tribulation with a definite article in front of it, the kingdom. And the patient endurance is not there in the Greek. It's just kingdom and patient endurance with no definite article. The original Greek only has the definite article the in front of the tribulation. It should read the tribulation and kingdom and patient endurance. But when you see this Greek construction with a the followed by a word and then the word and, another word, and another word, According to Sharpe's rule, when you see this Greek construction, it indicates that whatever follows that first word with the the is a restatement of it or somehow it belongs to it. So what does it mean here? It means the tribulation is the kingdom and the patient endurance. It means that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of tribulation and patient endurance. If you become a Christian, you think that God has an easy road for you, you're wrong. The kingdom road is the trail with tears and of tribulation. The tribulation is the kingdom and the patient endurance. There's joy in the journey, all right, but there's tribulation, too. There's no crown without a cross, and there's no glory without a story of suffering with Jesus. If you want Jesus, you need to pick up your cross and follow him every day without whining about it. Did you hear what I said? So how do you get through the tribulation in the last days, and more importantly, in these last days? How can a believer have peace and rest in the face of a restless world that insists that you have to bow down at a frenetic altar crying out for hot sausages when you really need the hot power of the Holy Spirit to warm the soul? How, how is the heart to find rest when there is no rest day or night for the worshipers of the beast in his image? Where do you find Sabbath rest? You'll notice in Revelation 1, nine that if you receive the kingdom, that is defined by patience and tribulation, you will have Jesus in the midst of trouble. In the heart of Revelation nine is the phrase, in Jesus, in Jesus. It's no accidental insertion here. It's deliberate. I would rather be with Jesus in tribulation than without Jesus and have no trouble. Do you hear me? I would rather have Jesus and be persecuted than lose Jesus and be okay as far as the world is concerned. I'd rather be an unpopular preacher and proclaim Jesus than fancy favor with theology that is not true to Jesus. I would rather wait on Jesus than insist to God that I get my own way right now without Jesus' plan perfected for me, which is a trail of tribulation, which is the essence of the kingdom. Dear heart, if you have had trials in your life this week because you are a Christian, if you've been assaulted because you are trying to follow God, And if you've found Jesus in those trials as you pray, then you don't need to whine about it at all. If you have dined at the table of the sufferings of Jesus Christ and you have become one who has fellowship with Jesus, you are the better for it. You are the better for it. You know, many people today say, Pastor, I just wish I could get all this trouble out of my life. No, you don't need trouble out of your life. You need more of Jesus in your life. The kingdom table the Lord's supple is a communion table around the sufferings of Christ. But how do you get through the tribulation of the kingdom? That's the question that's pertinent today. How do we get through the Mass? Let's read Revelation 1, 9 and verse 10 together. I, John, your brother, who share with you in Jesus the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance, I was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. In Revelation 1-9, John found Jesus in the midst of tribulation. Or should I say more accurately, Christ found John in the midst of tribulation. John is a prototype of the final generation that goes through the Great Tribulation. At the end of time, just before the day of the Lord, the dragon will go off in Revelation 12, 17 to make war on those who keep the commandments of God and who hold to the testimony of Jesus Christ. The mark of the beast issue will be an attack upon those who, like John, hold to the testimony of Jesus. And remember the book of Revelation is about the great tribulation and getting through it with Jesus all the way to the side. And so John is a prototype of a final generation who managed to get through end time events. So as you see John in tribulation, Revelation 1.9, you also see him at rest on the Lord's day in Revelation 1.10. Am I right or wrong? We see him in the spirit on the Lord's day. The Lord's Day is the key in the context of finding the Lord and having the presence of the Holy Spirit in the midst of tribulation. Now how many of you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Raise your hand. I mean, I don't want some fake Holy Spirit infilling that looks like it's the Holy Spirit's infilling, but it really isn't. I mean, how do you want to really be filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, the Lord's Day is the key in the context of finding the Lord and having the presence of the Holy Spirit in the midst of tribulation. In Jesus, on the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day is the Lord's way. Did you hear me? The Lord's Day is the Lord's way of getting you through trouble with the Lord Jesus in the middle. Revelation 1.10 again. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Now many Christians today believe that the Lord's Day is Sunday. And I'm not critical of those Christians because I have many brothers and sisters in Christ who believe that. They're good people, honest people. Many of them I, I look up to because of their wonderful Christian virtue, their, their commitment to the Word of God. So there's no condescension here as I speak to the subject. This view is based, though, that the Lord's Day is Sunday. It's, this view is based in part on the fact that this Greek expression began to be used in the second century by some of the church fathers for Sunday. But it is not in and of itself the reason to interpret this verse. Now I'll go through the evidence with you. History bears record that Sunday was kept as the Sabbath and the special day for the Eucharist only after a change occurred because of tradition. Saturday, in fact, was kept as the Sabbath and the special day of the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, for 400 years universally in the Christian church. I'm reading from Socrates, a 4th century church father in the early Roman Catholic Church. Socrates, 4th century A.D. For although almost all churches through the world celebrate the sacred mysteries on the Sabbath of every week, yet the Christians of Alexandria and at Rome on account of some ancient tradition, have ceased to do this. At the great Council of Laodicea in 325, this was such a problem with certain hierarchical members of the church that they decided to change the Ten Commandments. And they made it canon law that the Ten Commandments was officially being changed by the church. And that Saturday was no longer the Sabbath, but Sunday had become the Sabbath in the middle of the fourth century. Now, that's a long time after the apostles. Socrates is saying that the earliest church fathers of the church at Rome kept the Sabbath day. The ultimate church tradition, dear heart, is the tradition that was handed down by Jesus and the apostles. When Paul visited Rome, according to Socrates, he taught them to keep the Sabbath. And so it had been kept until a tradition took over the word of the apostles. Jesus was absolutely clear as to which day is the Lord's day. In two places he made it clear. Mark 2, 27, 28. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Verse 28. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Mark 12, 8. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, what day is the Lord's day? It's the day that's alive because Jesus is alive. Christ is the Lord. Can we agree to that? Yes or no? And Jesus says the Lord's day is the Sabbath day. That's what he said. And if you know what day is the Sabbath day, you will know what day is the Lord's day. It's the same day. In the heart of the Ten Commandments is the simple, straightforward truth. In the Fourth Commandment, that is a simple, straightforward truth for Christians today. And we should embrace it because we love Jesus. The Ten Commandments are not obsolete to Jesus because He gave them. Exodus 20, verse 10. But the seventh day is... The Sabbath of the Lord thy God. That means it's the Lord's Day. In Revelation one nine. The kingdom is a kingdom of tribulation and patience. And John was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, which is the seventh day, the Sabbath day. There's another indicator that this is the seventh day in the context. Context matters here. Look at Revelation one ten again. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a what? What does the text say? Like a trumpet. You see, Lord's Day and trumpet there. Now, this is a very clear indicator so we can nail what day this is. In the Old Testament, a trumpet was used to announce the sacred feasts of Israel. Numbers 10, verse 10. On the day of your gladness also, and at your appointed feasts, and the key phrase is feasts, at the beginning of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings. They shall serve you for remembrance before your God. I am the Lord your God.
1: Let's continue now with Pastor Michael oxen Tenko in today's Reaching Your Heart.
0: Now Sunday was never considered a feast day in the Old Testament, no evidence in the New Testament. But the Sabbath was not only the fourth commandment of God's eternal, holy, ten-commandment law. It was also a feast day for joy, fellowship, and to experience the living Lord God's word commanded that a trumpet on the seventh day would announce the Lord's day as the Sabbath feast of the Lord based on Numbers 10, verse 10. Now turn with me to Leviticus 23, verse 2. Here we have it. The Sabbath was not only one of the Ten Commandments, it was a feast day, which meant that a trumpet should be blown. Verse 2. Say to the people of Israel, the appointed feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim as holy convocations, my appointed feasts are these. And then it starts with a very first one and the most important one, verse three. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is what? What does it say? It's a Sabbath of solemn rest. The Hebrew would indicate a Sabbath of Sabbaths, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. Why? Dear heart, because you are finished by faith in resting in Jesus before you start. Just as Adam was complete in his first full day of life, which was the seventh day. As you come to the Lord's day, you come to the Lord who is in the day. And you are finished by faith before you start. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwellings. Because the seventh day Sabbath was a sacred feast day. The voice of a trumpet announced the Lord's day. And that's what we have in Revelation 1.10. John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And then he nails it. I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. That makes it the seventh day Sabbath. That clearly indicates that the Lord's day is the seventh day feast here. Which means that when you come to Christ in the Lord's day, there's food for you. There's fellowship for you. The bread of life comes to you. You know, in the book of Revelation, we see all the different furniture of the sanctuary. We see the menorah stick, which is the seven torches of God that burn before his throne. The Ark of the Covenant is there in Revelation eleven nineteen. 19. But if you look real hard, you won't find the table of showbread. You know that? It's not there. The table of showbread is Jesus, the living word. So he comes to John. The bread comes to John on the Lord's day. The book of Revelation is a book of sevens. In Revelation 11, there are seven churches. In Revelation 112, there are seven golden lampstands. In Revelation 116, there are seven stars. And the word, the number seven means completeness. It indicates God's covenant. It comes from the Hebrew word in the Old Testament to swear an oath or make a covenant. In Revelation one twenty, seven seven stars, seven golden lampstands, seven angels and seven churches in one verse. Revelation 2, 1, 7 and 7 appear again and introduces the letter to the seven churches. I mean, why did he put all those sevens immediately following, I was in the spirit of the Lord's day, so that we would have an indicator in the text of what the Lord's day is. As soon as John is in the spirit of the Lord's day, the text is plastered with the number seven from Revelation 1, 11 to Revelation 2.1. Twelve times seven is repeated in the text. Twelve times we see this word. Now, twelve is the number for God's people. Twelve apostles. Twelve foundations in New Jerusalem. And seven is the number for the Lord's day. But that's not all there is to seven in the book of Revelation. Revelation 2 to 3, there are seven letters to the seven churches with an invitation of rest for the seventh church Laodicea, at the Lord's Supper. In Revelation 6 to 8, one There are seven seals with silence in the seventh seal. The seventh seal is the Sabbath seal of rest. In Revelation 8.2. Seven angels hold seven trumpets. And when the seventh trumpet sounds. The mystery of God is finished with Sabbath rest. God says he has finished his work. On the seventh day in Genesis 2.1. The seventh trumpet. God finishes the mystery. That he announced to his servants the prophets. Revelation 16, there are seven plagues. In the seventh plague, the voice of God says, It is finished. Just like Jesus at the cross, and just like God said in Genesis 2, 1, on the seventh day, he finished his work, which he had done. The seventh plague is the Sabbath plague that brings rest from the wrath of God. I could go on and on, but in that plague, it is finished. The book of Revelation leaves no doubt that the Lord's day is the seventh day. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Now, if you want the Holy Spirit at the end of time, dear heart, I'm going to be very practical with you here. You need the Lord's Day in your personal time. Remember that Revelation 1.9 says the kingdom is about tribulation and endurance. And the Lord's Day is the Lord's way of keeping you close to the Lord in tribulation and for the day of the Lord's coming. Now, I'm going to prove that to you from Jesus. Just before Jesus died... Christ tied the knot between the key words we find right here in Revelation 1, 9, and 10 in his great discourse on prophecy, in the Olivet Discourse, in Matthew 24. He'll take these same key words and he'll add meaning to them right there in Matthew 24. The key words are, number one, tribulation. Number two, kingdom. Number three, endurance. And number four, the Lord's Day. Do you see that? All right, key words, tribulation, kingdom, endurance, Lord's Day. In the Olivet Discourse, now here's Christ talking about the future in prophecy. The same words come up. Look at Matthew 24, verse 13. Here we have the word endurance. The one who endures to the end will be saved. Okay, the second key word, kingdom. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. Now, the Lord's day I have said is the Sabbath. Look at Matthew 24, 20. Look what we have. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a what? Sabbath. And the last key word is tribulation. Look at Matthew 24, 21. For then there will be great tribulations such as never been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. In Revelation 1, 9, and 10, the key words are tribulation, kingdom, endurance, and the Lord's day. In Matthew 24, 13 to 21, the key words are tribulation, kingdom endurance the sabbath day the sabbath for jesus is the lord's day and the sabbath is the lord's way of keeping you close to the lord for your whole life for the great tribulation that will usher into the day of the lord now is it legalism to love jesus yes or no i'm going to ask you this question is it legalism to love jesus yes or no 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 is it legalism to rest in Christ? No. And is it legalism to follow Christ and worship in the way that Christ asked us to? No. Dear heart, Jesus said pray. Now if Christ tells me to pray, what do I need to do? I need to pray. And when you pray, are you in the Holy Spirit, yes or no? Now you're just working and going through life trying to get ahead. It's hard to stay in the Spirit. But when you pray aren't you in the Spirit, You are. John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. That means he was praying. Matthew 24, verse 20, Jesus said, Pray, pray, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation. I, John, your brother, in the tribulation, in kingdom, and patient endurance, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. At the end of all things... Jesus is coming. It will be the day of the Lord. Dear heart, you want to be ready for the day of the Lord? You need Jesus every day. And the Lord's day is God's way of giving you Jesus. The one who is coming is the one who has come. The one who will call you with a trumpet voice is the one who calls today in the great invitation. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you anapalsis. Sabbath rest. I will give you rest that is real. I will give you a life that never ends. I will be with you to the end of the age.
1: Well, there you have it. The conclusion to the Lord's Day and the Day of the Lord. It's a part of the Revelation series, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Again, a reminder... You can visit us at the church for the worship service every Saturday at 11 o'clock. We'd love to have you there. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video, reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart.